excited. Uh, message two in our next step sermon series. And uh, so I want to start today with a question. And the question is, what do you think of when you hear the word disciple? What do you think of? Maybe what do you picture in your mind when you hear that word disciple? Anybody picture a guy in a robe yes. or tunic? Yes. Anybody picture some sandals? Mm-hmm. Dirty, feet. Dirty feet walking on the beach? A what? A rope, belt. rope belt, yeah. <laughs> some of the same pictures, all right. Think a disciple, maybe you picture some guys sitting around the fire asking Jesus a bunch of crazy questions that they already should know the answers to. Yeah? Long hair. Long hair. <laughs> Who's pictured long hair? I didn't even think of that. I was picturing long hair. Maybe... Maybe you're a little more cultured than the rest of us, and, and you picture a stained glass. You know, you picture the apostles, maybe. And you picture a stained glass window, or maybe a, um, a picture or a painting from the Middle Ages, and you know, you see uh, the apostles. And so that comes to your mind. Well, the reality is that we have been called to be disciples. None of us is probably going to put on a rope belt, a robe, and some flip-flops and go hang out at the beach as much as we would like to do that for the rest of our lives. That's not what it means for us to be disciples. The word disciple really means a learner, a pupil, an apprentice. And we know about that. We know about apprenticeships, don't we? In the trades, you have someone who's an apprentice, and the person over that apprentice is a journeyman right? And the journeyman is more or less the master craftsman or the one who has the experience in the trade. And the apprentice is the one who comes alongside and learns with that teacher, that master, kind of follows in their footsteps. Well, the same is true in our following of Christ. In fact, in in discipleship and the idea in, in scripture, it gives the idea of a yoke. And when I say that, I'm not talking about an egg. What I'm talking about is those uh, old-fashioned, you would see them maybe hanging in an old restaurant or somewhere. It's two old wood pieces bolted together to form a hole in in each side. Can you picture what I'm talking about? And and what they would do is they would use that yoke, and they would have a farm animal, maybe an an ox or or whatnot, um, and they would put that around the more trained, experienced animal who would be working the field. And then the other side of that yoke, what they do is they put in the less trained animal. And so the more trained animal, as they walk and do their work and carry out the, the uh, job that they've been trained to do and taught to do, they're teaching that younger animal as it walks step by step and, and is in step with that older animal. And so that's kind of the idea of us being disciples is walking in step with Jesus Christ. And that we would learn from him, and that we would follow him, and that he would be our leader. And so as we talk about next steps, the idea is in our discipleship, in our walk with God, in our following Christ, there are next steps for us all to take. And we want to make sure that our next steps are keeping us on track or in line with God's purposes for our lives. And you can maybe even think back on this past week and think, have the steps I've taken, because we've all taken steps, 
of some sort this week made decisions and followed it up with an action. Remember, that's our definition of a step for this series, is a faith decision followed by an action or activity. We've all done that through the week. And you would have to say, are they getting me more in line or keeping me in line with Christ's purposes? Or have they kind of, am I more on track with following my purposes? Well, today we're going we're gonna to read about one of the disciples. And we're going to hear about God's call upon his life. And we're going to hear about the process of this guy, this disciple, falling in line, falling uh, more and more in line with the call that Jesus Christ had on his, on his life. Anybody want to guess what disciple we're going to talk about this morning? We talked about Paul last week, right? The Apostle Paul. Simon Peter. Good job. Did you look at the notes? Okay, okay, here we go. All right, well, let's take a minute. We're going to pray one more time, and then we'll start talking through Peter's story. Father, we come before you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your word, and that these true stories have been preserved for us, Father, but... uh, They're timeless stories, even though recorded thousands of years ago. Help us to see where the truths found in the scriptures apply to us in our lives today. We want to surrender ourselves to you. We want to humble ourselves before you. We want to acknowledge that we need your word. We need your truth. Father, I ask that you would minister to each person here as they need it those who need to be encouraged, that they'd be encouraged, those who need to be challenged, that they would be challenged, those who need healing, that you would give them healing, those who need a push, that you would give them a push, Father. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. All right, so our next step, uh, a walk with God is made of many steps. What's your next step? So as I said, we're going to be talking today about taking the next step in God's plan for your life. You know, God has a plan for your life, right? And I'm not trying, and that's kind of an old catchphrase. I think it's from the 70s, like, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, he does have a wonderful plan for all of our lives. He has good plans. So we want to talk about staying in step with his purposes, and our next step should keep us in line with that. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Peter, and this is first Peter's first introduction to Christ more or less. And so I'm going to take some time. We're going to look at John's uh, passage in John. We're going to look at a passage in Matthew, and we're going to look at a passage in Luke. So I'm going to read through this and maybe make a few comments. The following day, John, and what they're talking about there, who's, who's being spoke of, is John the Baptist. The following day, John the Baptist was again standing with two of his disciples. So John the Baptist had some disciples. Before they started following Christ, they were following John the Baptist, and Jesus, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Remember, we're talking about following Christ, step by step, following Christ. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. Let me just pause right there. It's not like, what do you want? It wasn't what he said. It's kind of like, what are you after? What are you looking for? And that would be a good question for 
any of us as disciples? What, what are we really looking for? Are we looking for an easy life? Are we looking for a religious life? Are we looking for a fun life? Or are we looking to follow the Lord, the Master, the Ruler? And so it's important for us to think, like, what are we? If we're talking about following Christ, and we, we say we're following Christ, and we're, as we are following Christ, what are we really looking for as we follow Christ? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Which, by the way, would this be so cool? You're kind of walking, and he's like, well, come on over. I want to show you where, where I'm hanging out. Like, come spend some time with me. Come with me. And so they follow him and go, and it's about four o'clock in the afternoon, and they stay the rest of the day. So they probably stayed six hours, maybe, they hang out. So Peter, Simon Peter, is following, and he goes and spends some time with Christ. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said, then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Does anybody, else, does anybody know what else Peter or Cephas means? Stone. The stone, the rock. That's right. He's the original rock. Before, what is it, Dwayne Johnson was the rock. This is the original rock. He's the rock. And so, I just want to make a couple points here. And the reality of that is, is you can see his first interaction with Christ, he does follow him, but he goes and spends what would be probably just a few hours with him. And I think sometimes of us, and, and you know, there are degrees, I would say, of following Christ. You know, maybe we're following at a far distance, we're at a medium distance, or we're right on his heels and trying to walk step by step following him. And so that would be a good thing for us to kind of think about. Are we just kind of coming in and we hang out with Christ a little bit? And then we go out, and, and, and Christ is not really part of our plan, part of our purpose in life. Following Him, walking in His ways is something distant. That's something for us to consider. But something else here is, He says, he says Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. You will be called the rock. And so we see here that God has some big plans for Peter. Peter doesn't even know it. And I would say that for us, it's important for us to realize that as we're talking about next steps to realize God has big plans for our life. Peter didn't know it, but God had a big plan for his life. We know the rest of the story, right? We know what ended up happening. We know Peter and the story of Peter's life. And in the Catholic Church, they would say that Peter was the very first pope. He was the rock upon whom the whole church was built is what they would say. And so he went from being a fisherman following who Christ saw the impact that he would have and God has a big plans for us. And so as we're talking about these next steps, sometimes next steps can be scary. Sometimes next steps can be very uncomfortable. But they're towards bigger plans that God has for us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has big plans for you? It's kind of hard for us to buy a little bit, right? 
You're like, what would big plans be? I'm picturing a house on the beach with just closets full of gold. Like that kind of big plans? That's my idea of big plans. I, I, scripture doesn't point to that. To, if, if that was the big plan that he had for you, and, and there's many preachers out there selling that idea, uh, you know, we'd have about 20 of these buildings filled over. But the plans that he has for us is to use us, whether it's in our family's lives, in our neighborhood, in this church, but to do something important with us and make our lives count. And do you believe that God wants to make your life count? He has big plans for us. Stepping into those big plans is going to require taking a step, right? We talked last week about how easy it is to get stalled out or get on the wrong path. We're following Christ, but man, we get tired, we get discouraged, we get confused, we get doubtful, and a lot of times what we do is we just find a big rock under a shade tree in our walk with Christ. We say, I'm just going to sit down for a while. I'll catch up later. Or maybe we veer off the path of following Christ. Well, as we go through this series, the idea is that we would begin to get back in step if we're not in, if we're not in step, and that we would be sure that we're following the purpose that Christ has for our lives. So this is taken from Matthew. So obviously he went and hung out with Christ for a few hours, spent some time with him. Christ told him, I have big plans for you. He kind of like covertly told him that. Well, here again we see uh, another encounter. I'm not sure how much time had passed. But it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. So what are these guys doing? They're casting their nets. Just make a mental note of that. They are out there casting their nets, fishing. So in the very first passage we read, they followed Jesus, it said. But they weren't, they had not abandoned everything to follow Jesus. They went and they were doing some fishing. And so they're casting their nets, going about their trade. And Christ says, I will make you fishers of men. He basically tells Peter, you're not going to be a fisherman, you're going to be a fisher of men. Total change in direction, a change in, in, in mission. His whole life mission would be different. It wouldn't be to own a fishing company and to get more fishing boats and to gain wealth. It would be to get on board with Jesus Christ's mission for his life and to be a person that gets people on board with following Christ. He had a whole mission for him. Going from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So can you see the picture here? We have Christ hanging out uh, and, and these disciples, Peter in particular, goes and spends some time with them. Then he's going back and he's doing his fishing. And Christ says, and gives even a more specific, more clear call on his life. Hey, I want to make you a fisher of men. Peter drops everything and follows him. Now we're going to look at Luke. 
Well, first, God has a mission for Peter, and God has a mission for each of us. I want to make a comment here, and let's read this next verse. Ephesians 2.10. When I say God has a mission for each one of us, that may seem like, yeah, right, what am I going to start a nonprofit? Does that mean that I'm going to be a Billy Graham? Does that mean that I'm going to be going to some uh, remote country rescuing people that are caught in a child trafficking? Like, what kind of mission is, is God have for me? Well, God has a specific mission for each one of us. He really does. And this verse, I think, helps us understand a little bit what that looks like. He says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So part of our mission is good works, good deeds, doing the good things that are in our path every day. He says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And if you think back on your week, you've had a week full of opportunities for good deeds. Have you not? We've all had opportunities for good deeds. And we probably took some and we probably avoided some and took steps away from them. When we say that God has a mission for our life, I don't. it doesn't matter if, uh, you know, you, you, you're a garbage man, a CEO, a housewife, a tradesman, whatever it would be, God has a purpose in that He wants to use each one of our lives and He has good things for us to step into. As we talk about this next step series, that's what we're talking about. What is it that He wants me to step into? What good work is it that He wants me to step into? What good action is that he, that he wants me to take? We're talking about moving forward in our walk with God in this series. What I'm, not, what I'm trying not to do is make this a series, and there are times for this. Don't get me wrong. There are times for this. But this is, series is trying to push you a little bit, not to come in here and, and give you a Christian spa day where you get you know, gooped down with mineral oil and feel all good and you know, you're feeling like you've just been had salve rubbed all over you. We need salve rubbed all over us from God's Word. We really do. But we also need people to, to push us. We need to be pushing one another in our walk with God and that we would be taking new steps of faith. And that's what this series is about, is taking those new steps. And that God has a mission for your life. And His mission for your life is going to include good things that are already in your path. That may be uh, straightening up a mess in your family. That would be a good deed that he prepared beforehand that's going to be coming down the line or you have that opportunity to take a step to do that now. The good deed may be giving up some of your free time to become more of a servant and help people in your community or here. But God does have a mission and that mission is to carry out his purposes in each one of our everyday lives. Does that make sense? Because as I go through this, it's easy to say, like, he has a mission, and, and I think sometimes we picture these lofty ideas. But imagine if the local church, if us as a group of people were following the very individualized missions that he had, we would change the communities that we live in, wouldn't we? If we were just following that in our neighborhoods, in our relationships, in our families, and we were staying on track and walking in the good works that he had prepared for us, it would change communities. I, I believe personally that that's how a society is changed when the church starts doing what the church is supposed to be doing.
I believe that's how a community has changed. Let's continue on in Luke. So we saw he'd kind of followed, hung out, spent some time, you know, maybe six hours hanging out with Christ. Then we see uh, Peter's back fishing, and Christ says, come and follow me. I want to make you fishers of men. They drop everything and follow him. Now, this is a little bit longer, but I believe, and, and Bible scholars that I respect are kind of torn on this one uh, issue. Some say this is the same story retold by Luke in different words. I personally, and a lot of Bible scholars, believe that this is different than that last passage said. And, and I'll tell you why. In the last passage, what was Peter doing? Casting a net, right? Casting a net. And there's some other reasons why I could go into like the timeline of the book of Luke and all that, but I won't go into that. So it says, So it was as the multitudes pressed in about him, about Christ, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. So before they're casting their nets, here they're washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speak, let me just stop there. So can you picture this? He comes along, gets in Simon's boat. Simon's washing the nets. I don't know if he was just probably a few yards away washing his nets. Christ got into this boat and says, go ahead and take the boat out a little ways. I want to use this uh, is kind of like my pulpit. Your boat, boat is going to be my pulpit. I'm going to speak to the people who are standing. They're pressing in like, I need some space here. And actually the sound carries over water better, as, as we know. And so he goes out a little ways and says, Simon, take me out just a little ways. Simon takes him out a little ways. He preaches. It said, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. So now, he says, okay, we were out here in the shallows. I was doing my preaching. Sermon's over. Who knows how he wrapped that up? Maybe he said, and all God's people said, amen. I don't know how Christ wrapped up that sermon series there or that sermon. But he was done teaching. He's like, okay, now, Peter, take the boat out into the deep. And he says, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking, so that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. What I see is a picture here. Is in this picture, you see, Peter had been following Went and hung out, spent some time, casual connection with Christ. Next, you see, he goes and follows. And then it sounds like he went right back to fishing again, doesn't it? 
Sounds like he went right back to fishing. Yes, I will follow you. I'm going to make you fishermen. And Peter's kind of like, that sounds great. Drop. I'm, I'm sick of this fishing stuff anyways. But then it sounds like he went right back to the fishing stuff. And this time, Christ preaches a little sermon. says, take it out into the deep. Drop the nets. And when those nets dropped and all those fish were caught, he's like, he no longer is calling him master. He's no more calling him teacher. He's no more calling him rabbi. He says, Lord. Falls down on his face. Lord, I'm a sinful man. I believe he had that response because he realized he had been kind of casually following Christ. His next step was, his next steps were way, way back. And that he realized, I haven't really been following and fallen into that call and that mission that you had for me. But what does he do? Christ comforts him, gives him some comfort, and says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And he says, then they forsook all. I imagine Peter had, it says there, Peter had a boat. And it sounds like his partners, it kind of almost sounds like they had a little business going. My guess is they sold the boat, got rid of the business, forsook all, changed in direction, and began following Jesus Christ. As we think about that, I want to just highlight two main things with a couple of sub things. And that is that taking the next step in God's plan for your life is going to require faith. Taking the next step in God's plan for your life, it's going to require faith. Think about this, and, and this would be the next note in your uh, notes. Our next step begins from right where we are. Our next step begins from right where we are. Think about that. He didn't make Peter jump through 20 different hoops before he could start following him. When he was just kind of hanging out, spending some hours in the evening at whatever Christ was saying, Christ asked him to take another step right from where he was. He went and said, I'm going to follow you right from where he was. Then he goes, okay, go out into the, go out into the shallows. Yeah, he did that one next step. Go out into the shallows. He went out into the shallows. Now go out into the deep. Goes out into the deep. Then the next step, I'm forsaking all. So Christ will take us from right where we are. Wherever you are in your life right now, whatever circumstances, wherever you are in your walk with God, God wants to take you from that place and take you one step further. And that does require a step of faith. Steps of faith are big and scary. I imagine every one of these steps for Peter seemed like big, scary steps at the time. We look back and we're like, the first one was a small step. Just go out from the shore a little ways. And that's how it is in our walk with God, right? The beginning steps are often very small, but they feel big and scary. And so I want to encourage you as you're looking for God, God, how do I walk in line with your purposes to realize it might mean taking a big and scary step. And it doesn't mean that God's wanting to get you to somewhere else before you take a step or mature you a certain to a certain degree or make sure you get more teaching before you take a new step. He just wants you to be taking a new step from right where you are. Next is faith doesn't always make sense. God often wants our next step to take us beyond our own experiences, abilities, or resources. Peter's a fisherman. He'd been fishing all night. His experience was 
he knew fish, he knew fishermen, he, he knew fishing. He had already, I mean, he had like the most recent fishing update. And yet Christ said, go do this thing. And it went totally contrary to his experience. Well, a lot of times that's what God wants us to do. I was thinking about this and I was thinking, God, it seems, has always thrown us in over our head on our next steps. I wanted to be a teacher. You know, last week I told you about going from plumber to teacher. I wanted to be a teacher. And you know, I want to teach kids about this big. And, you know, I ended up teaching kids that were like this big. And it was a, the school, it was an alternative school for all the kids that had been kicked out of the PV school district. And it was kids that I would naturally be a, a little nervous to be hanging around and bossing around. Uh, there were kids that got sent straight to the school from the detention center because they had, you know, missed years of high school. And or, you know, it was, they were kind of on a different program. But it was, a, it was a crazy crowd. God threw me in over my head. And from there, I ended up going to Honduras, and we signed up to be missionaries. God threw us in over our head. And then from there, God asked us to be leaders of a ladies' discipleship home. God threw me in over my head on that. I mean, I wanted nothing to do with that. I, I remember they'd make announcements, we're looking for house parents for Safe Harbor House. I'd be thinking, my God, I'm so glad I'm not called to that ministry. <laughs> Praise God. And then we get a call, hey, would you be willing to go do Safe Harbor House? Or like, give us 24 hours, we'll give you an answer. And we both felt, and it was one of those things, like, this does not feel comfortable. I don't want to do this. I grew up, my, my mom was there, but it was me, my dad, and my brother. I mean, it was like girls, you know. Just living with Carly was a whole new experience. Of, uh, uh, and so, uh, threw us in over our head. And then from there, you know what? got uh, an opportunity and, and calling to be a pastor. That wasn't in the books. That wasn't in the plan. That wasn't in my experience, my life experience. But you know what? That was the next step that God wanted me to take. And it was the, all those next steps were steps of faith. We have people here, you know what? German's up there right now working with youth. You think he's in over his head? He's in over his head. I get a little nervous about it. No. We, we got some, some uh, other people helping them out, but that's what, a lot of times what it looks like. And you may say, well, yeah, but that's all church stuff. I'll tell you what, what if you're a man who's called to lead your house and you never grew up with a, a man, maybe not, maybe not even a man present in your house or the man present in your house wasn't really present in your house or didn't lead well. And you're like, I don't have the resource. I don't have the experience. I don't have the knowledge for this. But the next step God's wanting you to take is God's wanting you to become the leader of that house. And it's going to take a step of faith and it's going to be scary and it's going to feel big. But then as you take it and you look back, you're going, that wasn't so bad. And then here will come the next one. You're like, oh no, you want me to take this? Our next steps, and in, in order to stay in God's purposes for our life, the next steps are going to require faith. But don't be, don't, don't be confused. He's not going to ask you to be somewhere you're not, he's going, just take this next step. Take the next right step. I have something for you right here. You can do this. It's going to be scary. It's going to be big, but you can do this. Take this step. And it's usually going to be outside of our comfort zone. Our next step requires us to trust God 
with the future. Didn't Peter have to trust God with the future here? Forsake all and follow him? I mean, really. Uh, it, it would be like, uh, you know, Ned selling the, the painting company. It would be like, guys, someone, y'all just quitting your jobs and going on making a career change. I'm going to go to seminary. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense. You got a future to think about. Don't, don't be stupid. Well, it requires trusting God with our future. That's what I'm saying. As we talk about these next steps, as we talk about staying on track with God's plan for our life, it's going to take some steps of faith. What's another word for faith? Trust. Who are we trusting? God. That's right. Here's the one that might grind your gears a little bit. Taking the next step in God's plan for your life requires surrender. Surrender is a nice word for submission. We don't necessarily like that idea, that word. But surrender starts by recognizing Christ's authority. What did, what did Peter do? He went from master, went from teacher, Lord. And you think about it, right there, he's acknowledging who's boss, who should be calling the shots, who should be running things. And so the question for us is, whose way are we doing life? Are we doing life our way? Or are we doing life God's way? You want an indication if you're doing it your way? Here's an indication if you're doing it your way. It started out real easy, and now it's getting really just painful and tough. And many of you see me draw the diagram before of my way and God's way. And now all of a sudden, things are, are, are happening in your life. You're, you're losing things or relationships or there's inner turmoil or there's loss, there's devastation. That's a result of doing life your way. God says you do things my way. It starts out tough, but you end up being filled with abundance of joy and peace. So that would be an indication. Are we doing life our way? Are we doing life God's way? And I would say on this, recognizing his authority and go, who's going to run the show here? Is he going to be my Lord? Is Christ going to be my leader? Am I going to follow in his footsteps or am I going to do things my way? And you think about that and you think how often we have this, even if we don't verbalize it, I don't want to, right? I mean, that's kind of like you feel like, man, I really want, maybe even as we've been doing this series, you're starting to think, I think God might want me to do this. And you're like, I don't want to. Well, that's natural. That's normal for a lot of us. That's because we're kids, right? But kids need to recognize that their authority has their best interests in mind. Kids, a lot of kids wouldn't want to clean their room. Kids, kids wouldn't want to eat anything but candy. Kids, kids, some kids wouldn't want to take a bath for a month if they didn't have to. If someone in their life didn't care about them and be an authority and say, you know what? Get in there and take a bath. I don't want to. I'm not asking you if you want to. This is what's good for you. Get in there and take a bath and wash behind your ears, for goodness sake. You stink. But that's the reality. Are we recognizing Christ's authority in our life? Are we thinking, I don't want to do that. I want to do it my way. I don't like that. I don't know what to say about that. I'm not, you know, I know that's a lot of our attitude, but I don't, 
it's like a kid saying that to God. I don't want it. I don't like that. He's going, okay. I'm telling you what's good for you. Don't you think God has good plans for our lives, right? We do things his way, it ends up a lot better than doing it our way. We got enough people in here, old enough, enough life experience. You know, running life your way has not worked out well, right? It ends up with lots of dead ends, lots of problems, lots of hassles, lots of hurt, lots of devastation, lots of brokenness. Doing things God's way ends up, I'm not saying this is going to be problem-free, but the other side is peace and life and joy, contentment. Surrender requires humility. What do you say? I'm a sinner. Right? He, re- he recognized his own deficiency. He recognized his own weakness. He recognized his own failure. If we take these next step, it's going to probably require, if you're going to take a next step, it's probably going to require some kind of humility. Maybe it's asking for help. And saying, you know what? We can't keep the charade up anymore. Our marriage is a mess. We need help. The next step is you need to get some, some help in your marriage. And you have to just kind of let the, the storefront down and say, we've been playing a good game, but we need help. We need help with our finances. We need help with our kids. I need to share with you something I've been struggling with. I think I may have an addiction here. Some humility. The next step may require you to humble yourself in a way that's not comfortable. Remember Paul's, the verse from uh, Acts 9-6, Lord, what would you have me do? That's a heart-surrendered heart right there. Lord, what would you have me do? Sometimes surrender requires sacrifice. It says they forsook all. They forsook everything. Now let me ask you this. When you read that, do you feel sorry for them? Are you like, oh, poor guys. They got rid of everything. Is that kind of, is that what comes to your mind at all? Do you feel sad for them? No? Yes? Kind of? I don't feel sad for them. I'm sitting there thinking, look what God did to their lives. He totally turned their lives around. He made them into something dynamic, something that said that in Acts it talks about basically that they turned the world upside down, these men. He did something incredible with their lives. They forsook everything. Well, sometimes it's going to require sacrifice. You know, maybe it's one of those things where you're going to have to let go of some pride to reconcile with someone. That's the next step. God wants you to make reconciliation and broken relationship. So you're going to have to forsake. You're going to have to sacrifice your pride. Or God wants you to uh, change your attitude at work. So you're going to have to kind of, you know, change change your uh, whole way of operating You can't be the big tough person at work anymore. You may have to sacrifice your image a little bit and your reputation. Maybe you need to let go of your free time. He's going, I want you helping out. Maybe maybe you've been kind of stalling on getting involved in ministry here. You're like, I don't want to get here early. I don't want to stick around late. Wednesday nights, Bible study? What? That's when we watch the rerun of This Is Us. What are you talking about? Whatever they call it. Devo, TiVo, TiVo, whatever. DVR. Stream it. Right? But it may require some letting go. Can you feel the push a little bit? 
Taking the next step is sometimes it takes a little bit of a push. You know, maybe we need to, maybe you need to sacrifice control. Ladies, maybe you need to sacrifice control and let your husbands lead in the house. Maybe the husbands need to step up to lead, but maybe you need to sacrifice a little bit of control and say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you lead. You guys can hassle me about that later. I'm sure I'll hear all kinds of, that'll be the one thing they heard this morning. Yeah, yeah. You know what God did for Peter? He did make him a fisher of men. You know what happened on Peter's very first sermon? 3,000 souls came to the Lord. He was out there not even catching fish. He couldn't even catch fish. They fished all night the night before. They toiled to catch fish. He couldn't even catch fish. You know what? Christ turned his life around. He became something totally different than he was. It didn't start, it didn't happen in a flash overnight, but he took that next step, took that next step, took that next step, took that next step, and God transformed him into a man that was a fisher of men. God has big plans for our life. It's going to, in order to to keep in step with those plans, it's going to require us to take a next step. Those next steps may be big, it may be scary, it may be uncomfortable, but God wants us to take a next step And the next step is probably going to require you to trust in ways that you haven't trusted before. And it's probably going to require you to surrender in areas that you haven't surrendered before. You're like, well, I've pretty much surrendered. Here's the only, that might be what he's wanting you to surrender. But I guarantee you this, it'll be worth it. Won't it? I don't know what your next step is, what next step God wants. Maybe it's to get baptized. Maybe it's to get involved in a ministry. Maybe it's to get signed up for discipleship. Maybe it's to start showing up on Wednesdays. Maybe it's to forgive somebody in your past. Maybe it's to, uh, maybe you need to make a break in a relationship that you've been kind of hanging on to that's holding you back from following God. Maybe it's that you need to get your finances straight. I don't know what that is. But I do know this. God has good plans for your life. And I know that as you take that next step, he will bless you. It will glorify him and you will be blessed by taking your next step. Let's be willing to take a step of faith and a step of surrender in order to take our next step for God's purposes in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for Peter. We thank you for his example. We thank you for the scriptures. Please help us to be people that are willing to surrender our lives to you. Help us to be people who trust you. Father, we know that we can trust you. We know that you have our best interests in mind. Help us to really buy into that. Father, I ask that you would give people clarity as they think and consider and pray about, seek you on what the next step is. Pray that you would give them encouragement, that it wouldn't be anything of anxiety or fear but just that they would enjoy that process and trusting you and that their hope would be in you revealing it, not in us having to come up with anything. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. We're going to sing one more song as we close or as we uh, are dismissed.